We have a, a staff worship every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. in the chapel, and the staff gathers, and we have communion, and different ones of us take turns leading the, the message for that morning. So about three weeks ago, uh, Jessica led uh, a message with us about words, and, and I was going, oh, that's so good. Can I use that? And she says, well, well sure. So I'm, I'm going to start with, uh, uh, this is actually a children's book about words, and I'm going to invite, if you, by the way, you can find this on Amazon if you do this and you say, oh, I need to get a copy of that. It's called When God Gave Us Words. One day God decided to give words to man and woman. But the angels objected. People will not know what to do with words. Words should belong only to angels. But God said, perhaps people will make something beautiful with words. Nothing could be more wonderful than what we do with words, the angels insisted. People will just mess them up. But God was intent on hearing words from the mouths of men and women. So God filled the angel's sack with words and sent the angels to earth to spread the words. In some sacks, God put long, difficult words like omniscient and anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Sometimes there's challenges. The angels frowned. The people will never understand the meaning of these words. And it was so. Because of the long, difficult words, dictionaries were created. In other sacks, God put silly words like gibberish, goop, and gosh. In one sack, God placed all the words that were hard to spell, like hors d'oeuvres. Y'all know that's not horse doovers, right? Just checking with y'all. People will never know how to spell those words, said the angels. And it was so. Because of hard to spell words, God created spelling lists. Then God sent the angels to put words into the mouths of all the people. The angels did as God commanded. When the angels returned from spreading the words, they sat down with God and listened. It took some time for people to get accustomed to using words. Slowly, they let each word form in their mouths. Carefully, they added one to another to another until they made sentences. And here they are beginning to speak. And when they got used to the words, they talked and talked and talked until the angels shouted, enough! But God wanted to hear more. Then people twisted and turned words and made lies. They rolled words in the wet earth until they were covered with mud and created curses. People mixed words with sharp thorns and gossip was born. The angels shouted, stop! What a mess people are making with our words. And God regretted giving words to man and woman. God was about to send the angels to earth to take back all the words when God heard a new sound. People stirred soft music into words and sang lullabies. Words were mixed with dance and poetry was born. People joined with laughter to words and told jokes. 
the angels smiled and said to God, some of these jokes are very funny and some are just silly. And it was so. For the silly jokes, God created groans. And for the truly funny jokes, God just laughed. People mixed words with midnight and wrote mysteries. When the angels listened to the mysteries, their wings trembled. People wove longing, thanksgiving, and hope into words and offered prayer. Imagination and words were joined together, and then there were stories. The angels listened and were enchanted. God asked the angels if they still wanted to gather all the words and bring them back to the heavens. The angels remembered the lies and the curses and the gossip that people had made with words. Nevertheless, the angels did not want to take back the words. They loved the songs and poetry the people had created. They giggled at the jokes and cried during prayers. We must hear the end of the stories the people are telling, the angels pleaded. And it was so. People were allowed to keep the gift of words for the sake of stories. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we come this morning, speak your word to us. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Paul in Ephesians, uh, toward the end of the book, is beginning to summarize, and he makes this statement. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When it says they're imitators, the, the word in Greek is, is mimetes, uh, which means uh, to imitate, it's, it's to mimic. Uh, it's where we get the word mimic, mime, uh, imitate. I don't do mime, sorry. Uh, but that's where that word comes from, and it means to reflect or, or to show. And so if we take that seriously about words, that we're to be imitators of God, and we take that and apply it to words, uh, I kind of started thinking about that. Uh, the first place we see God's words is in the very beginning of the Bible. God says, let there be light. Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Let the dry land appear. Let the earth put forth vegetation. Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind. Let us make humankind in our image. And God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. In this beginning story, you hear, you hear God speak, and, and the words that come forth from God have power. I mean, when God speaks, God's words go out, and things happen. Things are created. Reality comes into being. I mean, God's words go out and create things, and, and not just anything, it creates very good things. When God's word goes out, it creates a reality that is very good. And the story that continues on from this is that as long as we live into God's word, life is very good. 
But when we decide to listen to other voices and listen to other words, then we begin to wander off into the wilderness. And, and if we listen to voices that are opposed to God and listen to words that are opposed to God's word, then life becomes very bad. The whole story of Scripture as you move through is the story of, of us listening to the Word of God and finding blessing and then turning away to listen to other voices and struggling. And the story circles around over and over all through the Old Testament until we begin to come into the New Testament and John reminds us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In the reflection of the word shown to us in Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. I mean, if we're called to be mimics of God, imitators of God, then that's the call for us, that our words should reflect that, that they should be full of grace and truth. And are they? I mean, we hear this call to, to imitate over and over as we go through Scripture. Uh, speak to all the congregation of the people in Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Mimic God. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mimic God. Clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Mimic God. And is that what we do? You know, as I was uh, <clears throat> growing up, and I hit that age we all hit, you know, when your, your mouth begins to kind of get away from you sometimes, uh, my grandmother had several sayings that she liked to share with me. You know, one was, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all. And being a smarty pants teenager, you know, the way you get around that, of course, is when they say, well, what do you think about so-and-so, is you just stare at them. Right? They get the picture. Yeah, it's, it's annoying, but, you know, that's what you are. When you're... And, and, and the other one that she liked to say is, uh, you know, when you use profanity, when you use curse words, uh, that's a sign that you have a profound lack of vocabulary. Now, you know, at the time she said that, you know, I thought, uh, but then I started, you know, as you get older, you begin to think about things that you're told. And I thought, you know, that really is true because usually what happens is when we get intensely emotional about something, we're angry or frustrated or whatever, uh, or, or something hurts or something, uh, you know, we get this burst of emotion. And you, when you get a burst of emotion, you know what happens? Your frontal cortex and your brain shuts down. And so your vocabulary does go away, so you end up shouting one of those curse words out. And, and if you're unfortunate, your child is there to hear you, and then they go out and repeat that to people, right? And, and all of us who've been with small children and have heard one of those children shout out one of those inappropriate words, you know how it goes. You go back to the parents and you say, you know, I hate to tell you this, but little Johnny said this in class today, and they go, oh. I don't know where little Johnny would learn that word. And we're going, well, <laughs> we know. <laughs> learn it from you, right? I mean, you know, like the other day when you hit your thumb. I mean, it's, anyway, uh, she was right about a lot of that. Uh, we struggle with that. And, and I can remember when I became into ministry after working many years in the truck yard, in the shop, 
that, that I had become habituated uh, to using a lot of that language. And one of my friends says, you know, you're, you're really going to have to watch that. Because <laughs> that stuff just comes out of your mouth without you knowing it. And they were right. Uh, first several years I was in ministry, that was a constant challenge to be careful with my language so that I did not say things that were highly inappropriate. And it's so easy for us to go there. Instead of speaking words that represent grace and truth, it's so easy for other kinds of words to come out of our mouth. I mean, the, the classic passage addressing this comes out of our friend uh, James' letter. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, for all of you who want to say, well, that's not fair and all that. I mean, it may not be fair, but there's a reality there that those of us who are in that teaching position or preaching position, uh, there's a higher bar set for us sometimes. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes, if, if you know anybody like that, just let me know. Uh, anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they're so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits." How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Amen. He kind of nails us in the midst of that, you know, when he says, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. We come on Sunday morning, and we worship, and we praise God, and bless God, and then we go out for the rest of the week, right? And what happens? We begin to tear each other down. You know, we have this really bad habit when, when we enter into these kind of discussions sometimes that we, we take people and we label them, and then we decide who they are. And then because we've labeled them as something other than, they become less than. Uh, years ago in Seguin, uh, my associate was leading the first night of the divorce recovery group. And I think I was teaching a Bible study that night. But we, we came back together at the end of the evening to kind of check in with each other before we went home. And I said, well, how'd it go? And she said, well, it went pretty good. And I said, really, conversation was good? And she goes, oh, yeah. She said, they all really shared openly. You know, they, they were all married to Satan. Now, a number of years later, I read this article written by a prominent psychologist about the demonization of the other. And in it, he said, you know, a lot of times when people are going through things like this, divorce was one of the examples he used, but other kinds of divisions. He said, what happens is we begin to label the other person as less than. And once we have labeled them as less than what we are, 
then we can dismiss them and we can justify treating them as less than. Uh, man, isn't that exactly what we do? Now, in logic, that's called an ad hominem argument. It's a formal fallacy or failure of logic, which is when we are having a disagreement, if one, I can't defend my position, or two, I can't get you to agree with me, then I attack your person. And so I attack your person and make it sound like you're less than, and that discredits your argument. And I'm like, man, we are in the age of that, aren't we? I mean, we live in that age, don't we? This is how we do it. I mean, just listen to the conversations. If we're frustrated with one another or the other person doesn't agree with us, we slap some label on them that allows us to dismiss them. I mean, I see it on Facebook. I see it on Instagram. I hear it in podcasts. I see it on the news. Sometimes when I'm listening to some of the news and, and stuff when we're driving and listening to it on the radio and all that, and I'm driving around listening to these people talk, and I, and, and I want to just, you know, say like I used to years ago, you know, don't make me pull this car over. Because <laughs> I will. I'll take you both outside, right? I mean, it's just this, this spewing of insults. With the same mouth, we bless God and, and we curse each other. And particularly at certain points of time when, when the tensions rise, it is so easy for us to do that. I mean, I, maybe you've never done this, but have you ever been in that kind of situation? And, and you know, you just, you're just so frustrated, so you just zing somebody verbally. And as soon as the words are out of your mouth, you know, you want to get them back because you can see the hurt, but it's too late. And especially when I was younger, I did a lot of that. I had to learn to, to kind of pull it back. Sometimes I just, need to, I just need to wait a minute before I respond. Be sure that's really what I want to say. And I've learned to do that, especially with emails. Uh, you know, emails and Facebook is really bad about this. Uh, people will respond to something. And, and I was taught a number of years back that when you're doing these emails, you know, type it out and put it in there. But don't put an address on it where it's going to go, right? You want to make sure you don't accidentally send it. Uh, so you don't put an address on there, but you type it out, and then you just let it sit in your, you know, over there in your drafts. And you come back several hours later, and you look at it. Is that really what I want? Is that still what? Uh, and then you come back the next day, and you look at it. Maybe a day after that, and give yourself time to cool down and look over it and see if that's really what you want to send them. Now, I'll confess, what happens is I'm looking at it sometimes a couple of days later, and I'm thinking, is this really what I want to send them? Oh, yeah, it is. It really is what I want to say. But, but but it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And, and instead of being full of grace and truth, it's just full of, of, you know, my venom. And so there's times to pull it back and understand that out of our mouths are not supposed to come blessing and curse. If we're mimickers of God, what should be coming out of our mouths is grace and truth. This is what we're called to. I mean, when Paul's writing those, uh, those folks in Ephesus, he says, you know, you're, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, who you used to be before you met Christ, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, sounds a lot like Romans 12 right there, and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. But on this new self, this image of God that you're going to walk in. 
So then putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. We are connected. Uh, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. You know, you're going to be angry, but don't act out of that in destructive ways. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands. Why? So as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there's need. Why? So that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When I read through that and I, and I hear those words, I am reminded that, that Paul was not writing this letter to the city of Ephesus. It wasn't intended for all those other people. It wasn't for the folks who didn't worship at all. It wasn't for the folks who worshiped in the pagan temples. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, to the people of God, who were sealed with the mark of the Holy Spirit, and reminding them, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by speaking something other than the Word of God. Don't let your words be filled with evil and with hurt and with venom. Let them be filled with grace and with truth and with righteousness. Because you're the church. You're the people of God. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it's equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. You know, when you speak the truth in love, I can hear it. When you speak the truth in judgment, I'm not listening. But when we speak, we're to be building up each other in love. And specifically, (laughs) to be reflecting this, the word that became flesh and lived among us. We've seen his glory. The glory as a father's only son, full of grace and truth. You see, our, our words are to represent Christ to each other. In our words, we are to represent Christ to each other. And in your words, is, is that what's happening? I mean, are you representing evil and hurt and Satan? Or are you representing Christ full of grace and truth? Let us pray. Mighty God. We come and we confess to you that in those moments um, when our emotions are high and tensions are strong, it is so easy for us to let our words curse instead of bless, to speak words that represent evil instead of goodness, to speak words that represent the devil instead of Christ. So, Father, we ask that you put your hand over our mouths, that you teach us to hold our tongues, 
to pull back on those emails, to let our words represent your word, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth to all the world. We ask this in his name. Amen.